All right. Take your Bibles, if you would, please. Go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Now, seriously, you know, once again, I want to remind you, and I'll, I'll remind you still. It just, it weighs heavy on my heart, this. Pray for your pastor. The messages that he preaches for the foreseeable future weigh heavy on his heart. And, and, and it is true. You know, we look at the world, we look at the situation. And I think, dear God, what do we need? It's amazing what happens. It was we, you know, we had a we had a good time when we went to Southern California this last week. And by the way, I found I just found out Bruce Callison was here last Sunday. Oh, I wish I could have seen him. That'd have been great. But uh, it was good to go go home where or my home for me, you know, where I where I grew up, I was born, where I grew up. Uh, on Saturday, we chased dead people. I'm glad the way y'all just sit there and go, okay, tell us about it. My wife, it's amazing, she came that close to being a California girl. But now there is something wrong in the, in, in, in the DNA of her family. Who in the world moves from North Dakota to California and then says, I want to move back to North Dakota. (laughs) That's what the Foreman Acts did. So many of them. But some of them got buried out here. So anyway, we're just trying to catch up on genealogy. And so just, you know, just doing that kind of thing. And then Sunday at the church where... uh, where we were at. By the way, Sharon, they say hi. I tell them about Brad and they just laugh. You know. But you know, I got to I I got to thinking about this. Man, times have changed. Listen to this. When I was growing up in the San Fernando Valley, there were times that our family left, you know, a couple of three days, left our house. And we didn't even lock the front door. I actually put a gun rack in my dad's pickup truck. And sometimes I had his bolt-action 03 Springfield in the gun rack. Nobody went nutso. No one. I even showed it to friends. I knew how to handle it. Dad taught me how to handle it. We even had a time that the men in our church would go to a gun range and everybody would bring their weapons and nobody called the newspaper. It was okay. No problem. Can you imagine today? I mean, a a church here in the area, they taught their young men how to kill a rabbit, skin it, cook it, and eat it. And some people got upset and called a television station and they talked about it on the news. Now, if it had been a chicken, maybe they wouldn't have said anything, you know, whatever. But it's like, no, come on, come on. The world has changed, hasn't it? So we're going to be coming into a familiar passage. And, And... It could be that the tendency is this. Well, preacher, I don't have any of these problems. Number one, look a little closer. Number two, you might know somebody that does. And in fact, your flesh and blood, just like I am, we all need to be mindful of what the Word is saying here. Second, excuse me, 1 John chapter 2 Let's just look at verses 15 through 17. John says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. Listen to this. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. In Sunday school, we were talking about this. This just It's just laid on my heart. And folks, I don't know what it is, you know, when the situation can be sometimes when you just feel like, you know, the Lord's speaking to you. Again, this last week, weekend when we were gone, I'm telling you, when I don't feel the pressure of having to get into the pulpit that day, it's just, you know, it's, it's like stuff just comes off my shoulder. And when that happens, I mean, whew, there's so many thoughts that wind up coming in. They just do. And it's like, Lord, you know, what, what am I thinking on? What is it that you want me to meditate on? And part of it was this thing of, you know, thy will be done. This is what the Lord taught us to pray. We were talking about this this last Wednesday and this morning in Sunday school. You know, to pray, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So you've got to stop and consider this. Here we are. We're here to worship God. Amen? I mean, we're before him. The messenger is nothing. God's word is open. So the question is this. Are we here not to tell God what his will is, but to seek his will? Lord, thy will be done. In fact, within these four walls, Lord, those who are gathered here, may it be our passion that we pray, we live, thy will be done in this place as it is in the angels in heaven. Now you realize, boy, we've got some work to do. No, he has some work to do in us. Now, folks, I'm telling you, two years ago, right now, I remember we were talking about, you know, have you seen the people in, uh, in Hong Kong? You know, we've got the missionaries, the darlings there. Man, the, the choir is up there singing and they got masks on. Boy, isn't that really something? And then pow! Guess what? And all of a sudden, we're working on getting the curve flattened. And then we found out it wasn't about that at all. And I'm not going to stand here and argue that. But there was more to it. For two years now, there have been some things that have really changed. And now we have war. And a young lady that grew up in this church, she might be directly affected by that war. And we're all being affected by decisions that are coming out of other places. Folks, if there was ever a time to get serious with God's Word, it's now. Do you agree? Let's listen to His Word. Keep your finger there if you would. Go back to Matthew 6. You might be have already been there because of what we were talking about. But the Lord says this, And verse 24, no man can serve two masters. We're talking about a man recognizing I'm a slave to someone. I have a master, but I can't serve two of them. There's only one. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other, Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now let me tell you what you struggle with because I'm made out of the same stuff you are and I do too. Daily, daily, we are making choices on who we serve. We are making those choices. Let's not neglect that. A love for the world and a love for God cannot coexist in the same heart. It just can't. But there's so many enticements. 
for us to get ourselves wrapped up in this world. And by the way, it's not just advertising. It's arguments. It's whose side are you on in this issue or that issue? I'm sorry. We are children of God. There are decisions that we have already made that make some of these just so insignificant. And I'm not talking about making war insignificant. I'm not talking about that. But it's who's in charge? Who's really in charge? And we can talk about right versus left. We can talk about conservative versus liberal. We can talk about capitalism versus socialism. We can talk about all that, but not here. This is the greatest. No man can serve two masters. So the question is, the title of my message this morning, who has your love? Who has my love? Who has our love? The idea here in Matthew 6, okay, you've got a slave, you've got a master. There's ownership there, folks. Who bought us? We're told we are bought with a price. But you know, there are those that have forsaken that price. We've got to be mindful. Listen, the world means a system. Now, we're going to get to that. First of all, in this world, in this present evil world, we have to understand God has given some absolutes. They are not up for discussion. Everything that we see, everything that we go through, decisions we make, the lives that we live, there are absolutes God has given us. All of us, me included. Be not conformed to this world, Romans 12 but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't get on Dr. Google or Mr. Google to find out what I'm supposed to think about certain issues when it comes to what the world is thinking about things that rightly belong to God and how I should be responding. God forbid, Paul said to the church at Galatia, that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom... The world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Again, this world is not our home. By the way, brother, thank you for choosing that song to sing. It's been on my heart this week. 2 Timothy 2.4 No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. We know that this is a battleground. It's not a picnic ground. Lester Roloff used to remind people of that. It's a battleground, brother, not a picnic ground. We need to remember that, and we're going to be talking about that in just a bit. In Hebrews 11, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. There's a multitude of things that are thrown at us. And what do we wind up doing? Well, there's times we brush it away. No, you know something? (laughs) This world is not my home. And then there's something that kind of hits close to home for us. You go through it because we know we wind up dealing with the three things that are mentioned here. You know, we expect the people that are in our defense department to know how to fight an enemy, right? I mean, we don't pay them so they can sit there in the Pentagon and go, I wonder how Russia would handle this if we did thus and so. I wonder what we do if they come at us, you know, for... No, they are to be learning these things. We were given 
Satan's modus operandi in Genesis 3. Eve, when she saw that the fruit was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit. What are we talking about? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And again, you've heard me say this, but in Matthew 4, Jesus showed us how to battle lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. How is it that we're supposed to battle it? It is written. That's why when we gather together on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, or when you have your devotions, we open up God's word. Guess why? Because it is written. Amen? That's why we're here this morning. And that's why we're hearing about this very battle. And so when we read about, hey, you know what? Moses said no to the pleasures. We wind up doing the same thing as well. And oh, the world loves to woo us, tries to draw us. No, this is when we encourage each other. We remind ourselves, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. So when it comes to the world, what's the meaning of this here? Well, just very quickly, it's not the physical world. God made the physical world. We can enjoy that physical world, Acts 17, 24. It is God who made the world and all things in it, and it was good. Still love the beauty of the world. It's not the populated world. If we were supposed to hate the populated world, we wouldn't be reading John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why did that happen? Because praise God, God loved the people in the world. So what is it? We're talking about this on Wednesday night. God has purpose. He's got purpose. There is purpose in this world as well. It's a system that is filled with purpose. The word world there comes from the word cosmos. It means a system. That is what we are studying here. The system, the modus operandi of Satan, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Who's behind the system? The prince of this world. 1 John 5, 19 and we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. You can actually say there, the whole world lies in the wicked one. In the wicked one. We know this. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, guess what? Speaking of the warfare, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Folks, I'm telling you, this is going to be a greater and greater issue in the future, if not right now, in some lives. We're looking at the world. We're hearing about what they're doing to Russia. Oh man, they're cutting them off here and they're cutting them off there. And boy, did you hear what they're doing to some of those Russian billionaires? They're taking away their yachts. Folks, I got news for you. That's what they're going to be doing to us. And I'm not saying that we got yachts. But whatever we have, they can say, you know what? I'm taking it. You know that. So the question is, how strong is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life in our hearts? I just read in my devotions about the young man who came to Christ. Hey, what, shall, what do I do? I have eternal life. Well, you know, do this. Well, those things I've kept from my youth. Now, there's one thing that you haven't done. I'll tell you what. Sell all that you have, give to the poor, come follow me. And the Bible tells us he went away because he had great possessions. Now, you know, we all have possessions. One degree or another, we've got them. Do they belong to us or do they belong to the Lord? It's a good question. It's a good question. Now, I would, you know, I'll go to the Lord. 
Lord, I'd like to give you a truck like Cary Granby has. I'll even drive it for you. I did that for my dad one time at his birthday when I was a kid. I went to the store and I bought him a model ship. I said, Dad, happy birthday. I'll even put it together for you. (laughs) That was so good of me. But seriously, we wind up in this day realizing, you know what? We don't have dollars. We have points. We, we, we have dollars, but they're digits in the bank. And they can be taken at any time. They can be frozen. This world is not our home. We need to be encouraging each other in this. What awaits us? But we also need to understand this. While we are here, we need to recognize the wiles of the devil, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And we need to be here to encourage each other. My wife and I have been stunned this last week how there are those in our family that have suffered. I'm talking extended family back east. Far we've wound up praying for them. There's people here that we have prayed for that have so suffered. I don't know why the Lord allows certain situations. But my soul, how we need his power, and we need the love of the brethren to walk through this. We might not think a whole lot of each other when we come into the building sometime. Oh, there's no, there's somebody that I don't know. Guess what? That's somebody that right now you don't know all that much. You might be counting on their prayers in the future, big time. We might be counting on each other a whole lot more than we recognize would happen. I'm just saying this, by God's grace, may we at least hear his command and say, as we look at this, Lord, thy will be done. Because I battle this, and I believe that you possibly do the very same thing. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father. It is of the world. There's the prince of the world system. But we're also told about the people of the world system. Keep your finger there, if you would, in 1 John. Go to Ephesians 2, would you? Now, praise God, we read this. 1 John 2, look at verse 1. This is great. And you, those people who have trusted Christ, praise God, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Praise God, we are no longer dead in trespasses and sin. But listen to verse 2. Wherein in time past ye walked, I walked, we all walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Have you ever looked at somebody on the news or someplace else and you thought, what in the world? Are they crazy? No, they're, they're obeying the spirit that you and I once obeyed. But they're thinking so stupid. Yeah, so did I. So did you, by the way. When you were outside of the Lord, you looked around on this creation. You might have said, boy, isn't it amazing what a few billion years will do. You might have even looked at current uh, uh, current events that were going on. You know what we need is a strong leader. The world's going to get him. We know who the strong leader is. Praise God, it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. But there are people that are making choices, and it's like, don't you realize what you're doing? No, they don't know. They're the children of disobedience. And so they're going to say the things that they say, even in the news. And then they'll turn around and they'll call you, wait for it, fake news. Now, this Bible isn't fake news. This isn't. 
And by the way, we don't need fact checkers on the Word of God. Nobody fact checks God. Besides, they decided in court to tell us that they're just opinions anyway. I am so glad God doesn't come along and say, well, in my opinion, no, it's thus saith the Lord. But I digress. The unsaved will never understand the saved. 1 John 3. Behold what manner of love, what literally what foreign kind of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. This is 1 John 3, 1. Therefore, guess what? The world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Now, are you listening? You know, we're never going to get anywhere trying to make God hip. That's not God. We don't try, we don't try to paint God up so that he's cool. Our God is holy. The word of God is holy. And the world will never understand that until they receive the spirit of God, the one who wrote the word of God. we best not fall into that trap. By the way, right now, right and left, there are churches, so-called, where the leadership is deciding that, well, you know what, it was a whole, it, it was a lie all to begin with. It so saddens me that there are churches that for decades the truth has not been preached because the hierarchy decided that, well, you know what? The Bible only contains some of, the, of God's truth. But the rest of it is up for, up for debate. The Word of God is not up for debate. The truth of God is not up for debate. The gospel of Christ is not up for debate. He's not just a way to heaven. He is the way to heaven. He's also the truth and the life. The Bible tells me that, and it tells you that. Praise God. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, for our conversation, our manner of life is in heaven. We ought to be living here as we will be there. Now, you know what I mean. We're leaving sin behind. And sometimes... Sometimes we might disappoint ourselves so much, and with that we wind, you know, uh, I must be disappointing God enough, I'm, I'm going to quit. No, we don't quit, because he doesn't quit. Amen? Are we here? Okay, good. <laughs> Someone made a statement. There'll be three things that'll surprise us when we get to heaven. The first is to find many there that we did not expect to be there. Second, to find some that are not there that we had expected. But thirdly, perhaps the greatest wonder is the fact that we're there. Hello? Only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. Now, there are those that are making choices. It, it breaks my heart every time I come to this particular passage here in 2 Timothy, where Paul wrote, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed. He departed to Thessalonica. But the point is, he loved this present world. The, the, the question is, can that happen to us? Answer, yes. Absolutely, yes. We've got to stop and remember this. Your walk talks and your talk talks. But your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And we can have a situation where our talk and our walk just kind of start to drift apart. We need to remind ourselves of the talk of the Lord. So, 
What are these things? Well, there's the lust of the flesh, the cravings, the longings. The term flesh is in reference to our sin. Romans 5.12, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Later on, two chapters later, the Apostle Paul, in speaking about his journey in this, he said, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, and we all have it, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. You know, we might hear a message, just like talking about the teenagers at camp. I loved going to a camp. It was great. Man, it was fantastic. And we'd be challenged. But quite honestly, there would be times people wouldn't tell us how you do that. I remember this, and it wasn't particularly encouraging. You know, we teenagers, we ask them adults, you know, we're getting so drawn away by the things that we're told not to do. And this was an answer that we got. Be so busy doing that you don't have time to don't. Now that might sound cute, but that doesn't do it. You don't burn yourself out trying to do the right thing in order to keep from doing the wrong thing. There are choices that are made. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Praise God. With the heart, we make the choice to do the right thing. We don't have to just keep busy, 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 busy. Now, I'm not saying get lazy in the Lord. I'm not saying that. But we make a choice in the heart. And one of those is this. Lord, save me from myself. What's myself? Well, part of it is the lust of the flesh. Stop and consider this. Remember the promises that are given. 2 Peter 1, again, I love 2 Peter 1. Verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, guess what? That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What do I do? I abide in him. I practice the presence of God. Now, we've gotten sloppy on that. And the church hasn't helped much. The works of the flesh are destroying America. We are committing suicide. The answer does not come through legislation. It comes through a local church recognizing who its Savior is and how he commanded, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Stop and consider this. People want the old days back. You know, Mayberry. You know, we, we, we want the times that were more innocent. You know how those so-called innocent times came around? God's people got serious about being obedient. Yes to God, no to the devil. And that impacted the culture so that there were decisions that were made. Yes, even in legislation, we should do the right thing. But we've walked away from that. When I say we, I mean America and Christians in America. Paul told us, listen, Romans 13, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. These fleshly things, often they wound up being things that are meant to be you know, they're there for us, but we wind up taking them and using them in a wicked way. I don't think I have to explain all of that to you. I think you can pretty much surmise some of what is listed there. Why is there sin 
that has taken place because of the lust of the flesh. How many, how many illustrations do we need to see before we realize, you know what, I've got a choice to make here. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There were choices made in the Scripture. David with Bathsheba, Samson and his strength and how he messed with Delilah, the prodigal son, Achan taking what he shouldn't have in the battle there with Jericho. Decisions were made. Judas and his lust for money. Diotrephes, he loved to have the preeminence, John tells us in 3 John. No. There was a little boy brought a chair across the kitchen floor, climbed on to reach the cookie jar on the shelf. Of course, none of you have ever done that, right? Y'all sitting there just smiling at me. His mother heard the noise, says, what are you doing in there? He's standing on the chair with his hand in the cookie jar. And he goes, I'm fighting temptation. (laughs) That's us at times. That's us. That's the lust of the flesh. There's also the lust of the eyes. No wonder we were told, listen, Psalm 119, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. You don't have to know everything about a filthy program to tell others that they ought not to watch it. I did something one time that was absolutely stupid. I went, I was, I, I, I was a Christian school teacher. And I went to a video store, and there was a young lady there that went to our Christian school. So what are, the, what, are, what are the videos that teenagers are being drawn away with right now? She named two of them. I rented them. I watched them. That's called dumb. No, seriously. That's called stupid. Now, now, it's decades ago now. I can hardly remember what I watched. But the fact of the matter is, back then, I had a clearer mind to remember. And it's like, oh, man. I remember one man that did a whole lot of study when it came to uh, rock and roll and trying to help teenagers with it. He listened literally to hundreds of hours trying to catch what was going on. Hundreds of hours of music. He said, I should have never done that. It's all stuck in my mind now. You know, I don't need to see that. I don't need to watch Hell's box office or send to the max or whatever else you know they have today. Don't need to do that. Because I'm told about the lust of the eyes and stay away from it. Proverbs 4.25 Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. In other words, don't go off. Then there's the pride of life You know, you don't have to go far to see arrogance in our nation. The world has a passion to be number one. No, God is number one. We serve Him. When pride grips your life, it will destroy you. It will destroy your family. It will make it difficult for you to be around others because you will be unteachable, unapproachable. Your attitude counts. What you believe counts. And everybody else can just step aside. That is not how we are supposed to live. King Solomon told us, Proverbs 11, when pride cometh, then cometh shame. Proverbs 13, only by pride cometh contention. Proverbs 14, in the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. Proverbs 16, pride goeth before destruction and haughty spirit before a fall. And then Proverbs 29, a man's pride shall bring him low. There's nothing 
that we ought to be proud of. What we have that is worth anything, God gave us. The choices that we make that are the right choice, God gave us the ability to do that. If we have any natural ability, it's not because you developed it, God gave it to you. You see, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Look at verse 17, 1 John 2. Here's what we need to remember. The world, it passeth away, and the lust thereof. Now, we've already been told in James 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be for a friend of the world is the enemy of God. He didn't call us to be buddy-buddy with that which he's going to destroy. We are in his family. The world put Christ to death. He died for us. But there were people filled with pride said, you're going to take away what we have, and they killed him. No, listen. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's, a, there's a, uh, an illustration in the Bible, and we're, we're getting ready to wrap this up. There's an illustration in the Bible that again, it's always such a heartbreak to read. I mean, we read about Adam and Eve. Even even with uh, Judas, it's like, oh, my soul. I think about what he did. Forever he's going to be reminded that he betrayed the Lord. But in the Old Testament, there's a man by the name of Lot. Now just quickly, just, just catch this. In Genesis 13, we find out there was strife between his herdmen and Abram's herdmen. There was pride there. Folks, if you want to start going down this road, all you need is pride. And then sight. Genesis 13.10, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. It was well watered. Hey, after all, I deserve that. So he made a choice. Genesis 13, 11, Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. You are making a choice right now. I am too. Am I going to listen to God's word? It's the truth, folks. It's the truth. We are here because God has, is doing a work in our lives. When we walk out, we either embraced it or we resisted it. Amen? Folks, it's the truth. We're going to make choices, just like Lot. And so what happens? Genesis 13, 11, He chose all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. You know, the strife born of pride now has led to somebody that's making him separate himself from a very godly man. Think about that. You are what your friends are, or you soon will be what they are. Lot decided he was going to have different people he would associate with. Genesis 13, 12. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Separation led to something new to see. You know the story. He went from pitching his tent to sitting in the gate. Remember Psalm 1? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, or standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. He wound up sitting in the seat, and it cost him. 
It cost him big time. Now John went on to say, the world passeth away. That's in the present tense. It means the world is passing away. Right now, there are people that are making decisions. And guess what? Each and every decision is another death step towards this world. Can you imagine? It'd be interesting to find out if God let go of this world, how long it would survive. I don't think it'd last long. So here we are. The world passes away, and oh, by the way, the lust thereof. But he that will do the will of God, he survives how long? He lasts how long? Forever. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Let's get some things straight. This world is never going to understand us. Amen? Number two, this world is not our home. This place not only does not understand us, it thinks we're crazy. Paul told the church at Corinth, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. We look at them and we go, why in the world are you saying stuff like that? Did you? What, what in the world are you thinking? And the world is looking at us and going, are you nuts? Only an insane person would believe in creation. Only a crazy person would believe the Bible. And oh, by the way, you know this thing about climate change? It is happening. We've got to do something now. We are. We're trusting our God that created it all. But meanwhile, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. So let's stop. Let's look at 1 John 2. Let's hear our God. And he says, all right, this is how you've got to live. Love not the world. Love not the world. The world system. Neither the things that are in the world. How do you find out what you love? Does it have control over you, over the God of heaven? There are people that are making choices right now. The things of this world are holding more sway than gathering together as believers. That's not a good thing. God takes care of our needs. We're commanded to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, negate anybody. But I'm just saying, we need to be here. It's so hard to see what has happened to some churches. This world is not our home. By God's grace, let's remember, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Why? Because if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And right now, the love of our God is what's needed in this world. Would you agree? I'm thinking about preaching a message on slavery. What, what's the whole issue? What does the Bible say? You know, all, all this that's going, that, that's going on. Folks, the Word of God has the answer to all of this. And it has everything to do with the love of God. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And it's those things, for all that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, it's not of the Father. It's of the world. And oh, by the way, the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So you know what? Lord, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Can we pray for each other? That will be our desire. Can we do that? Amen? I, you know, as, as I look out here, and I'm looking without my glasses, because some of you look different without my glasses than I look different. But as I look, you know, and, and we see each other here, we, we've got to stop to remember this. This is a called out assembly. We're here not because we like each other, although I hope and pray we do, but we love each other because we love Him. And praise God for other local churches, the very same thing. But we're here to share the gospel, love one another, and worship our God. Let's not lose sight of it. While the newspapers, wait a minute, nobody reads the newspaper anymore. While the internet and the television, the media, all the media, while they scream what they think we should be believing. Who's the guy that started Facebook? Zuckerberg, is that his name? Yeah. He's not God. He's not God. Neither's the Democratic Party. Neither's the Republican Party. We know who our God is. He gave us this word. When, uh, when I was a youth pastor, and I'd speak someplace, and young people would ask me to sign their Bibles, when it came to that, you know, with young people, I'd always put 3 John 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I don't know how to put this, but my, you know, th- this is what I hope. And you're not my children. You, you, you know, we're God's people, God's children. That we walk out of here and we walk in truth. And he's the one that told us how to do that. And we just learned a major chunk of that this morning in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. By his grace. Let's do that this week. Amen? Now there's no service tonight. But this week, Lord, help us to be faithful in the gospel, faithful in our love, Faithful in obeying 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Let's pray.